0: You're listening to sermons from Southbridge Fellowship in Raleigh, North Carolina. We pray that today's message helps you to connect to Jesus for life change. Awesome. This morning, we get to press back into the book of Daniel. If you have a Bible, you can turn with me. And, and uh, let, me, let me just set this up a little bit. Uh, this, this week, uh, we, we had our Halloween. Anybody go trick-or-treating? Any, I, I see some guys, I, I'm pretty sure you went out dressed as like a 16-year-old or an 8-year-old. Um, But November 1st is one of my favorite holidays, November 1st and February 15th, because that's when all the candy goes on sale. Um, Anybody else? Am I alone? I'm not alone here, am I? Um, But November 1st hit, uh, it's November, you guys. Thanksgiving is two weeks from this Thursday, just so you know. Christmas is 50 days away. Seven days later, we'll, we'll begin 2024. Can you believe that? Um, but I, I love the fall. Fall is like my favorite favorite season. Uh, now I know there are some radical people in the room. Thanks. Halloween's over, and some of you I know already. You got out Christmas decorations. Anybody? Come on, go. Yeah, okay. I see one, one, two, couple hands. All right, three. And we're in that season. This is a season. Um, I love the fall. I grew up up in the Midwest where we had seasons, um, and I always loved the fall. I love the colors, I love the cool, I love fall baseball. Um, I moved to, to, to the south, I moved to Dallas, where they have one season, it's called summer. Um, actually, the first year I moved there, there were two seasons, I, there, was, there was summer and then there was a winter, and I think winter hit a Thursday that day, uh, that year. Um, because it's just hot. And I'm a cold-weather guy. I married a Texan who loves the heat. We've been in the battle ever since, but just know that we've lived in the South ever since, too. So, uh, we live in the heat, uh, but I love the fall. Um, I love the fall colors. Uh, My favorite tree in our neighborhood belongs to my neighbor, Charlie. And it's a late bloomer. It's one that hasn't peaked yet. It'll peak later November. It turns this brilliant yellow, and all the leaves are still there. It's just, it's just a fun tree to watch. And I go out every day, and I just kind of stand, and I look at it, and I'm thinking of the glory of God on display in this tree. Um, and I, I just love that. Um, but I think about seasons, um, and life is full of seasons, isn't it? We have seasons of good times, we have seasons of bad times, we have seasons of parenthood. I see some young parents in the room, and and feel free to take a nap, this may be the only time you have in in your life. I'm not going to feel offended if you just drift off. I've been a young dad before, I had small children. Matter of fact, a season of life that I remember very specifically with Leslie and I, um, our our kids were all small, they're grown and gone now, um, all married, but I, I remember when they were small and and kind of like Carrie and Mitchell's age and stage of life, that picture. It's an adorable picture, by the way. Um, but I, I'll never forget, there was a moment, Leslie and I go back to this moment a lot in our life and our marriage, uh, talking about seasons, because nothing lasts forever. It's, it's a season. Um, and we, were, we had our kids, and we're wrestling our little sinners into their car seats, and, and we're strapping them in, and they're fighting, and you know, and... and our eyes met through the van, me on one side, her on the other side, and I'll never forget what she said to me. She said, you know, they'll, they, they're not going to let us do this forever, and we just need to enjoy the season of life that we're in. I said, well, yeah, you got yours buckled, right? Uh, but it was a sea. we knew that it was a season that parenting and those young kids was a season. Going through the teen years with the kids was a season. And and as I've been pressing through Daniel six, what I see one of the things that I see are these seasons of life in Daniel's story, and we all have them. We all have seasons that we go through. And we were first introduced to Daniel at about seventeen years old. It's been about seventy years. He's now an an older man, and he's run through seasons in life, but he's been faithful through those seasons. And and so, we want to talk about that just a little bit this morning as we examine Daniel's account. uh, I want to share three things that I see, three uh, seasons, if you would, of of God's faithful hand at work, in three specific seasons or situations in Daniel's life that we see. You with me? Awesome, Chapter Six, beginning in verse one let 's just read together, and it pleased Darius now Darius is a king, another king that we are now introduced to uh, it 's just sort of beginning of a chapter. We historically don 't know a whole lot about Darius, um, but believe he 's serving probably under Cyrus at this point, but there 's just not a lot of historical documentation of Darius, but it says that Darius. um, It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 satraps, that's kind of like governors or provinces, uh, to be throughout the whole kingdom, and over them three high officials of whom Daniel was one, to whom these satraps should give an account so that the king might suffer no loss. In other words, to get everything that that he wants, right? The collection of taxes and all the, the things attributed to him. Verse three, then this Daniel became distinguished above all the other high officials and satraps uh, because an, uh, an excellent spirit was within him, and the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. So I want you to just feel the tension that's rising in this moment. New guy comes in, Daniel's one of three key officials but somewhat honored above the others. So kind of getting ready to be probably moved into another position, which puts all these other guys at tension. There's a, there's a war going on, a power struggle that, that's happening. Verse four, then the high officials and the satraps sought to find a ground for complaint against Daniel with regard to the kingdom, but they could find no ground for complaint or any fault, get this, because he was faithful and no error or fault was found in him. Daniel's living a faithful life. He's loving God. He's loving people. He's serving well. He's, he's a model employee. He's honoring the king. He's doing a great job, doing his duty. Verse 5, then these men said, we shall not find any ground for complaint against Daniel. No skeletons in his closet, nothing else. We're not going to find any complaint against Daniel, get this and underline this, unless, keyword, unless we find it in connection with the law of his God. Did you see what they're saying? This guy is above reproach. He's living a life of integrity. He's living a life of honor. He's honoring God. He's honoring Darius and Uh, Belshazzar and Nebuchadnezzar and all these kings before him. He's honored them. He's living proper. He's an exile from Israel who got yanked out at 17, and he's been serving faithfully in this pagan kingdom for 70 years. We're not going to find any fault with him. The only possible thing we can use to trip him up is his faithfulness to his God. And they want, to get, they want to position him out. So, that's exactly what this whole story of Daniel and the lion's den is all about. So, when, when we talk about seasons of life, uh, here's the first thing I want you to see. I want you to see the faithfulness of Daniel, the faithful life of Daniel every day. I want you to see the faithful life of Daniel every day. Now, you might think, well, my life is not a season. Your life is a season. Uh, The life that you and I live here is but a season. The Bible says it is but as a a vapor that appears for a moment and vanishes away. We are all, let me just say this, we are all created as eternal beings. Hear me. Every one of us are created as a human, but we are eternal beings. We will have either an eternal life in the presence of God or an eternal death separated from God. That's what the Bible teaches us. So whatever life that you and I have here is but a a season. It's a short season. But when we look at Daniel's life, I just want us to see that that he lived faithfully every day. I love verse 5 tells us that Daniel's relationship with God was so evident that these guys knew it. And it became the weapon that they would use to trap him. So, here's an important principle that that I think you and I need to, to really understand, to follow Jesus. If you say that you're a follower of Jesus, following Jesus means I am learning to arrange my life around those practices that will enable me to connect to Jesus and live more like Him. If I'm going to follow Jesus, I'm going to arrange my life. I'm going to arrange my behaviors. I'm going to arrange the circumstances and situations in my life, the practices around him that are going to enable me to know him more and live more like him. That's what Daniel did. He he arranged his life, his practices around the fact that I'm going to honor God above everything else. And even in that process, God honored him by positions of high authority. Now, positions of high authority doesn't mean that he's somehow more spiritual than anybody else. I, I truly believe that God has very unique callings on every single one of our lives. And everything that we do, we do to the honor and glory of Jesus Christ, not everyone else is called to be some high official, but if that's where God calls you, then live faithfully in that moment. Arrange the practices of your life in such a way that it's going to enable you to stay connected to Jesus and live more like Him. If you're a doctor, if you're a plumber, if you work in an office, if you're a pastor who has office time, I truly believe my, my profession is simply the means by which God meets my physical needs to allow me to do the ministry that He's called me to do. That's true in every one of our lives. So, we have to learn to arrange the practices of our life in such a way that enable us to stay connected to Jesus. So, now verses 6 to 9, the guys lay the trap. They get Darius to sign into law the fact that, hey, for 30 days, Darius, why don't you sign this law that says, hey, if anybody prays to anybody or any other God besides you, Darius that they should be thrown in the lion's den. And so, they sort of coerce him to do that. He's not thinking straight, but he's like, wow, this is pretty cool. And so, he literally signs it at verse 7, said that whoever makes petition to any god or man for 30 days except you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions. So, that's what he does. And when he realizes that he's troubled at heart, let's pick it up in verse 10. When Daniel knew that the document had been signed, he went to his house where he had windows in his upper chamber open toward Jerusalem. Let me just pause here for a second. Why does he have his windows open facing toward Jerusalem? There's no temple there. And I think, I think to Adam's point when he's talking about remembering, what, what Daniel remembered was in King Solomon's prayer in 1 Kings chapter 8, He's talking about if if you are pulled away, God, if any of your people are pulled away and they're in a foreign land and they turn to you in repentance and they're confessing their sin and they're confessing the sins of your people and honoring you and praying, literally King Solomon in, in 1 Kings 8 says, and praying toward the land that you've promised us. So Daniel remembers He's remembering the promise of God. He's remembering the covenant of God, and he's living in that covenant, praying toward Jerusalem. Why? Because he's honoring God. There was nothing magical, folks. We don't, you know, say, hey, when you pray around town, make sure you're praying toward Southbridge, Right? <laughs> But Daniel remembered, and in that covenant relationship, he's pressing into the covenant of God. This is the faithfulness with which he was living. So that's why he says that. So then he says, he got down on his knees three times a day, and he prayed, and he gave thanks to God, um, thanks before God, as he had done previously. Key, absolutely key, as he had done previously. Then these men came by agreement and found Daniel making petition and plea before his God. Listen to me. Prayer was not a new behavior for Daniel. Daniel didn't hear about this decree of the king, this law, and he didn't just run to his room going, oh my gosh, God, save me, save me, save me, right? This wasn't some some bad medical diagnosis and he's like now running to God. This was a practice of Daniel. He was living faithfully in the covenant of God, and, and he's been doing this all along. Matter of fact, when we go back, Daniel chapter 1, verse 8. If you remember, we talked about this several weeks ago. It says, but Daniel resolved in his heart not to defile himself, that he would not defile himself. Your translation may say that he purposed in his heart not to defile himself. That translation literally is to say he made a decisive decision of his will that he was going to honor God. This was a 17-year-old boy. Now he's in his 80s, still living the same devoted life, remembering the covenant of God and pressing into that intimate relationship. Matter of fact, if we glance ahead in our text just a little bit in verse 16, when the king commands that Daniel be brought and cast into the den of lions, listen to what the king says. The king declared to Daniel, may your God, whom you serve continually, deliver you. Even the king knew, even Darius knew how devoted and faithful Daniel was to his relationship with God. Listen, in this moment, prayer is not an incidental thing in Daniel's life. It's an essential thing. It's something that he's done over and over and over. And I'm telling you, I promise you this, if Daniel is devoting a time and a place to pray three times a day, I promise you he's praying all day. If he sets a time and a place that he's going to go pray to God three times a day, I promise you he's praying all the rest of the day too. It's that New Testament idea, right? Pray without ceasing. What does that mean? Does that mean I walk around town on my knees with my, my hands folded and my eyes closed? I pray that you, you pray while you drive for my safety, but I pray that you don't do it with your eyes closed and your head bowed, right? Right? What does it mean to be in a constant attitude of prayer? It means that I'm living in an intimate relationship with Jesus, and I'm constantly letting my requests be made known to Him. I'm living in faithful fellowship and intimate relationship with this God that loves me and this God that I love. And that's what Daniel's doing. So, he's, he's just pressing in. It's interesting, let's just get a glance ahead in Daniel a little bit, chapters 9, chapters 10, we get a glimpse, and, and it's no wonder to me that God, in referring to Daniel, uses a term that's used for God's son in the New Testament, that, that he's greatly beloved or loved or highly esteemed. Look at uh, Daniel chapter 9. Now, moving forward, we're going to begin to see where Daniel's having these visions and these dreams, and he's having messengers come to interpret these dreams uh, from God, and so this is a messenger, the messenger 's name in chapter nine is Gabriel, but here in verse 23 it says, "At the beginning of your pleas for mercy, a word went out, and I have come to tell it to you, for you are greatly loved. who 's saying that? The messenger 's saying it, but he 's saying it on behalf of God Almighty. Daniel, I want you to know that God loves you, you are greatly loved. You are his beloved. Move up into chapter 10. There's this messenger that's interacting with Daniel, and it says, and behold, a hand touched me and sent me trembling on my hands and knees. And he said to me, oh, Daniel, man, greatly loved. He's saying God loves you dearly because you love him dearly. You are in relationship. He's like, I want you to understand the intimacy that God is communicating back to him. He goes on in verse 12, then he said to me, fear not, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand and humbled yourself before God, your words have been heard. What a powerful statement. From the first day that you set your heart, Daniel 1, Daniel purposed in his heart not to defile himself. From the first day that you set your heart to honor God and to understand God and to walk in intimate fellowship with God, your words have been heard. Guys, that's powerful because Daniel's living a faithful life every day. Moving down in the chapter 10, verse 18, again, one having the appearance of a man touched me and strengthened me, and he said, oh man, greatly loved, fear not, peace be with you, be strong and of good courage. Man, this just speaks to the intimacy that Daniel is having with God. Now, If if you were here for either the vision nights or looked at some of the stuff online, one of the things that we introduced was uh, what we refer to as our mission measures. And there are three mission measures that when when we introduced those, we said uh, we've identified three specific areas that easily pull in every single area of our life. So, these are not an exhaustive lift. they're, They're sort of a categorized area. And the first one that becomes absolutely foundational to us as we grow in a relationship with God is to enjoy God fully. What does that mean? It means to delight in Him, to have intimate relationship with Him, to live every day devoted to Him, to see Him in all my circumstances, to understand His sovereignty, to understand my identity in Christ. To enjoy God fully speaks to the most private aspects of my heart and my mind in relationship with God who loves me and gave Himself for me. It speaks to my time in prayer with Him. It speaks to my Bible study, my time in His Word saying, God, what is it you want to tell me? It speaks to the spiritual disciplines by which I learned to grow in relationship with Him. When's the last time you you spent a time fasting just denying yourself something, food or other things, simply because you wanted to seek the very heart of God. So when we talk talk about enjoy God fully, I think it screams back to this idea that Daniel was living faithfully every single day of his life. You and I live faithfully in relationship with God, and and that foundation of enjoying God fully literally is the foundation of the Christian life. It becomes the foundation of Southbridge Fellowship Church. That we, as a body of Christ, are learning to live in a foundational relationship with God, learning to love Him, learning to devote our lives to Him, uh, learning to spend intimate time with Him, let Him speak to us, let Him teach us. We introduced two other mission measures, to live as family and to take a risk, and, and if you would always think of those in relationship to an equilateral triangle… And, and when we were talking about this as pastors and elders, one of our elders, David Ennis, got all excited as a math guy when I used the word equilateral triangle. He's like, ooh, I like that. But, but they have to grow proportionally. And the foundation of all that is you falling deeper in love with Jesus. We don't want to ask you to do more things. We don't… I, I tell our staff all the time, I don't like the word volunteer. I don't like Volunteers volunteers are the ones who would always call me on Sunday morning and go, I'm not showing up. People who are passionate because God's called them to something, they step in and they do it. So, we want you to help. We want to help you find your place. What has God equipped you to do? What has He called you to do? That'll change through the seasons of life. You'll grow. You'll move on to something else. You'll grow in certain areas. But instead of just doing things, it grows out of this foundation that I am in a love relationship with Christ, and I'm growing with Him. And as I learn to do that, God's challenging me and tugging me in areas that become uncomfortable, and I begin to take a risk, which is a step of faith. And I begin to step out of my comfort zone to do something, and I begin to see God equipping me in ways. Or, or through different activities or resources that we have, you begin to get equipped in an area that is, is growing you. But it all begins with this foundational truth. I love uh, Pastor Kenny Luck, who was with us back in August, and uh, in in his book, it's called Every Man, God's Man. um, He does a, a contrast comparison between doing and being, and I think this just screams to the heart of this idea of just enjoying God fully, that everything we do manifests because I'm in a growing love relationship with God. The more I fall in love with God, the more I I, I do because he's equipping me and he's tugging me outside my comfort zone and he's causing me to step in to to something that I don't feel equipped for, but God is with me. So let's go. And so he he has eight comparisons here. And, And ladies, stay with me a second here because this is a book written to men. So he uses the word man. So please don't feel like you're not included. You are. Okay, so instead of man, we could just say person of God. So, any one of us, but it fits here. And he simply says, doing more puts a man in control. Being more puts God in control. Doing more is a safe style for men. Man, I found that to be true. I'm just going to do more stuff. Being more is risky. Why? Because being more allows God to step into our heart and tug us in areas that are very uncomfortable. The Holy Spirit begins to convict us of areas that we're going to grow in that are outside my comfort zone. Doing more implies that there's an end to it. Being more is a process. It's fluid and unpredictable. Doing more lets a man pick the changes he needs to make. Being more allows God to reveal the changes a man needs to make. Boy, that's huge. What a difference. Doing more requires trying harder. How many of you feel like, man, I struggle in the Christian life and I try, try, try. I've told so many people through my life in ministry, you got to give up. You know, you, you know what the key to the Christian life is? Give up. It's not about trying harder, it's about training harder. He says it right here. He says, doing more requires trying harder. Being more relies training Humbly. Doing more engenders spiritual pride. Being more produces humility through surrender. Doing more is about correcting behavior patterns. Being more is about connecting with God's character. This is Daniel. Folks, listen to me. This is Daniel. Daniel connected with the character of God. He's living his life as his life a man of integrity in his walk with God. Doing more attaches to the public persona. Being more reaches to the private self, the man that God wants to reach. What a truth. What a truth. You see, when we grow in Christ, when we grow in Christ, He begins to fill us. We begin to take on the image of Christ. We begin to look more like Christ. What flows out of us is more like Christ. And if I were to take my my cool little Southbridge, this is actually the mug I use every morning as I think about our church family, as I pray for us. And and, uh, if I were to top it off with a little more water uh, right here, And if I were to invite my friend Jackie back there, Jackie, I'm not going to do that. I will point at you, um, but I won't ask you to come up here. But if I invited my friend Jackie up and I said, Jackie, I just want you to hold this cup. And while she's holding it, I grab her arm and I kind of shake it. And I go, Jackie, how come water came out of the cup? She goes, because you grabbed my arm and you shook it. Well, that's partially true. But the reason water came out of the cup is water is in the cup, right? What's going to come out is what's inside. In these moments of difficulty with Daniel, what came out of him is exactly what's in him, that he's living faithfully with Christ every day. In these troublesome times, what happens? What comes out is what we put in. So a deeper relationship with Christ What comes out in our difficult moments, in our troubled times, which is what we're going to talk about, is Christ. So, let's move on. Because we see the faithful life of Daniel every day. But the second thing I want you to see is that we we see the peace of God's presence in troubled times. We see the peace of God's presence in troubled times. Troubled times are seasons. Every day is not a bad day. Every day is not a good day. They're they're seasons, and we walk through those seasons. So, verses 12 and 13, uh, these, these guys turn Daniel in. They rat on him. They narc. They tattle. Is that a word anymore, parent? Anybody use that word tattle anymore? They tattled on him. They're like, hey, King Darius, didn't you sign this decree that cannot be revoked, the, the law of the Medes and Persians? And he goes, yeah, I did. And they said, well, we, we found Daniel. So they turned him in. And so we pick it up in verse 14. It says, then the king, when he heard these words, was much distressed. And he set his mind to deliver Daniel. Boy, that's an interesting phrase, isn't it? He was distressed, and he set his mind to deliver Daniel, and he labored till the sun went down to rescue him. He was trying to find a way out for his friend, Daniel. He realized he's been duped by these guys. He signed a bad law, and now his heart's stressed. We have no indication that Darius is a man of God. If he were, he wouldn't sign some law that says everyone should pray to me for the next 30 days. He's not worshiping the most high God, but he has great respect for Daniel. Daniel's the one he's about to put in charge over all the other guys. So his heart's heavy because he has great respect for this man of God. Verse 15 Then these men came by agreement to the king and said to the king, Know, O king, that this is a law of the Medes and Persians, that no injunction or ordinance that the king establishes can be changed. Then the king commanded, and Daniel was brought and cast into the lion's den or the den of lions. The king declared to Daniel, Listen to this. May your God, whom you serve continually, deliver you. And a stone was brought and laid uh, on the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet and with the signet of his lords, that nothing might be changed concerning Daniel. Verse 18 Then the king went to his palace. Get this he spent the night fasting. No diversions were brought to him, and sleep fled from him. He went back, he didn't have his normal routine didn't have his entertainers come in, didn't have his big meals brought in, didn't do all the stuff he would normally have done as a king because he was stressed, distressed, distraught, and troubled by his actions. Just just listen to the tension in in this passage. And as we continue here, it says, verse 19, then at daybreak, I, I assume when I read that, it says he spent the night fasting. He didn't get any sleep. Sleep, it says, sleep sleep fled from him. Then at daybreak, I'm sure he's just laying there. You ever have one of those moments? Something big's coming on the next day, and you just can't sleep. And you wake up, and it's three. Then you wake up again, it's 3.15. And you wake up and it's 3.30. And you're just going through this. It's like, oh man, son, just come out, right? I got to get this day going. I got to get on to the things that are ahead of me that I'm really nervous about. That's exactly what I read here. He was so uptight at the break of day, he arose and he went in haste to the den of lions. And as he came near to the den where Daniel was, he cried out in a tone of anguish. The king declared to Daniel, oh Daniel, servant of the living God, Has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to deliver you from the lions? Now, I stop right there. When I I read Scripture, I try to put myself in the moment. And I don't know know Daniel. We didn't go to high school together or anything. I don't know him. I don't know his personality. But I have to believe, at least in my mind, he's got this sense of humor. Right? I mean, is he going to answer him back right away? Or is he going to go... Is he waiting for another cry, Daniel, Daniel, you there? He's like, yeah, I'm here, I'm just kidding, you know? Or would he have like, oh, oh, king, rescue me, right? No, he didn't do any of that, I don't know. But what it it tells us, verse 21, then Daniel said to the king, oh, king, live forever. My God sent his angel and shut the lion's mouths, and they have not harmed me. Listen, last time I was at the zoo, Lions have teeth, but they also like these really big claws. Am I right? God didn't just close the mouth of the lion. He changed the desire of the lion. That's what He does to us when we come to trust Him. He changes, a friend of mine, you say He changes our wanter, right? The things we want, the things we desire become different. These lions had no desire for physical flesh. And I, I just have to wonder if they didn't buddy up and cuddle and snuggle a little bit. <laughs> Seriously. I mean, I, I have to wonder. So, they, they, shut, they shut the mouths of the lions. But I love what he says, my God sent his angel and shut the, verse 22, shut the lion's mouth and they have not harmed me. Why? Because I was found blameless before him. That's God. I was found blameless before God and also before you, O king, I have done no harm. Verse 23, then the king was exceedingly glad and commanded that Daniel be taken up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den and no kind of harm was found on him. No scratches, no anything. It's not like they were coming after him but couldn't bite him. There there was no harm. It it literally implies there was no distress. There was no hurt. There was no anguish in him. Why? Because he is experiencing the, the peace of God. He's experienced the peace of God's presence in this troubled time. Well, let me ask you a question. Between Darius and Daniel, who got the better night's sleep? Man, that's interesting, isn't it? The peace of God's presence also brings the provision of God. That's why I have to believe when, when they threw Daniel in, they didn't just throw him in there with a with a my pillow and a blanket to spend the night. Because they weren't expecting him to live. So, I have to believe, because I'm a believer in a big God, that that God also provided for Daniel's needs. If it was cold, seriously, I think he could have been using these lions as a pillow and a blanket to find warmth. They might have been snuggling together for all we know. I don't know. But I know that experiencing God's peace in that moment, he also experienced God's presence and he experienced God's provision and he probably got a really good night's rest. Why? Because, listen, when you're experiencing the presence of God, you're experiencing the peace of God because of a faithful life devoted to God. Guess what? There's a peace, and we lay our head down. Jesus did it. Troubled storm in the boat. Where'd they find Jesus? Down there napping. He wasn't concerned about a storm. We get so bent over the things, the troubled times in life that we forget that God is sovereign. We've talked about it many times here in Daniel. God is sovereign. He's ruling over all. Listen to me. If you are a child of God, if you walk away with nothing today, if you are a child of God, I want you to know God's got you. He's got you. He knows exactly what's going on in your life. Last week when Pastor Brad mentioned, uh, you know, like shiplap on the wall and Chip and Joe Gaines and all the writings on the wall, I I have to think about it here because some of you probably have these verses written on walls in your house. Philippians chapter 4, 6 and 7, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to whom? To God and the peace of God which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. This is what Daniel was experiencing. What, what did Daniel 6 tell us? It said that Daniel went to his, his normal place, as he always did, and he prayed. And what did it say? It said he gave thanks, and he petitioned to the Lord. But but here's the problem if we look at this this verse out of context and understanding. This verse is both a command and a promise. We just want to look at it as this this promise. God's just gonna do stuff. Verse six is a command, verse seven is a promise. We are commanded, do not be anxious about anything. That's a command. We're commanded to pray about everything in supplication with thanksgiving. And we're commanded to let our requests be made known to God. This screams to intimacy. We're commanded to be an in intimate relationship with God. Verse 7 then is the promise that we get when we fulfill the command. And the peace of God then, Dave, when you fulfill, when you obey and walk in fellowship and relationship with me, like Daniel did to walk in fellowship and relationship, intimacy with God for 70 years, he could experience the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding. Daniel will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. I love the quote from A.W. Tozer that I came across years ago, and it just resonated with me. He said, when I understand that everything happening to me is to make me more uh, more Christ-like, it resolves a great deal of anxiety. See, if God truly is sovereign and He knows everything that's coming into my life, of course, He's gonna, He's got me. And knowing that He's got me, just, man, that resolves a great deal of anxiety in my life because He's got me. The third season, if you would, I want you to see the gospel impact in our difficult times. We have troubled times, we have difficult times. Anybody go through difficult times in your life? Difficult seasons, hard seasons, stuff that truthfully you never get over, you get through with Jesus. I love that verse 19 tells us that Darius got up at the break of day. At The break of day, the king arose and went in haste to the den. Listen, I, I don't believe that he would have done that unless he believed that there was even the slightest chance that Daniel's God would have actually come through for him. I mean, think about it for a Second. If he didn't somehow believe that Daniel's God would come through and save Daniel, he had no reason to leave the palace. But but he was was curious, wasn't he? He was curious, and so he he got up and he went in haste. See, I think what we learn from that is that those of us that are here, you and I as followers of Christ, we need to realize that there's a principle here that we learned that our trials in life will always attract an audience of people that are hoping that our God will come through for us. When we live a life devoted faithfully to the Lord, the trials, the difficulties of our life are going to attract an audience of people that are deep down, they're hoping that our God is gonna come through for us. And they're gonna watch. So when we look at it from that perspective, that uh, then we begin to understand that your greatest trial, my greatest trial, my most difficult time, your most difficult time, may also be your greatest evangelistic opportunity. And God didn't send you there by mistake. Let me ask you a question. Daniel lived faithful to God every day. Where did he end up? In the lion's den. Please don't buy into the lie that's going through our culture that somehow when you give your life to Jesus, everything's freaking awesome. And you're never going to have any more difficulties. And, you know, no, that's not the case. We saw it with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. We see it with Daniel. Walking in obedience to faithfulness to God is sometimes going to lead us to a really difficult place. But it's in that difficult place, that greatest trial, that actually may lead us to our greatest evangelistic opportunity. That's where God wants to take us. And so we see this pagan king, Darius, making this declaration of the gospel impact in his life. Listen to it, verse 25. Then King Darius wrote to all the people's nations and languages that dwell in all the earth, peace be multiplied to you. I make a decree, a pagan king making this decree that in all my royal dominion people are to tremble and fear before the God of Daniel, for he is the living God enduring forever. His kingdom shall never be destroyed, and his dominion shall be to the end. He delivers and he rescues. He works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth, he who has saved Daniel from the power of the lions. Listen, when pagan people look at us, go through our deepest, hardest difficulties and turn around and give praise to our God. God is doing a work in their life to draw them to himself. I love the missionary and author and speaker Elizabeth Elliot. Incredible story of her life. But she says this and I'm going to close with this. She says the life of faith is lived one day at a time. And it has to be lived not always looked forward to as though the real living were around the next corner. It is today for which we are responsible. God still owns tomorrow. We have to live one day at a time. We have to live today. And to follow the lead of Daniel, we have to live today in a way that honors Christ to arrange our life and our circumstances and our behavior around it in such a way that, that, that allows me to become more like Him. So that in those troubled times and in those difficult times, what people see in me is Jesus. Amen. Father, in this place, we as a people surrender our life to You. Lord, there are people in this place experiencing troubled times and difficult times. And Father, I ask you to surround them this morning as the God of peace. God, that they would know your presence, they would know your provision, your peace, your care. Lord, for that person in this place that's never come to trust you, I pray that your glory is on display in such a way that there's a gospel impact in their heart and life this morning for them to come to the place to trust you. So Father, we just thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your glory. We thank you for your your, your wonder that is on display in us. As you draw us to be more like you, we love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to sermons from Southbridge Fellowship in Raleigh, North Carolina. If you have a question about the message you just heard, email us at info at sfchurch.com. For additional resources or service information, visit us at sfchurch.com.